Thank you so much, Pastor, for the opportunity to be here. It has honestly been a blessing. We, we walked into the hotel room after uh, just pulling in from another, another meeting, and it's just a very nice hotel room. My wife just kept saying, wow, it's so nice, wow. Uh, and then we got here to the church, sat at the table, and uh, Pastor took us out to eat. And it's just, been, it's just been a blessing to be here with you guys already this evening, just been able to fellowship with you all. Uh, so I definitely appreciate that opportunity. If you would go ahead and turn your Bibles uh, to John chapter 12. John chapter 12 and verse number 24. We are going to be turning to several different passages tonight throughout the Bible. Uh, so do not feel like you have to turn to every single one. Uh, but I would uh, encourage you to pay attention and listen. Uh, before I get going, before I start reading here, if you would, uh, at the end of the night, uh, if you want to stop by our table and say hi, grab one of our prayer cards, we'd love to meet you and shake your hand. Uh, but also, uh, we have a little tokens of appreciation for all you guys who, if you want, uh, it's just, it's one kroner, one of the Icelandic, uh, basically like a penny uh, that we have, and we give them out to, uh, if, you, if your kids want one, we're more than welcome to stop by and grab one from us. My wife will have them all, uh, and if you want to grab one for yourself, we're more than welcome uh, if you want to just stop by there and say hello. All right, so John chapter 12, we're going to be starting in verse number 24. John chapter 12, verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the wonderful day you've given to me, to us, God, for the opportunity to uh, travel safely, Lord, and all be gathered here together in your house and to open your word and and to glean something from your word, Lord, I ask you to please just open my heart that I would get something from this message, Lord, that I would be helped tonight, Lord. I ask you to please just help uh, this message to, to be spoken from you, Lord, and not to, from my mouth, but that you would speak through me. Open up, open your word, uh, and open the hearts of these people, and I ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. So John chapter 12, there we find uh, the, the, talking about the grain of wheat, and uh, uh, that if it doesn't die, that it's going to, uh, it will not bring any forth any fruit. And that's going to be that the, um, the, the idea or the theme uh, that I'll try to follow throughout the evening and then also try to kind of close it all together back with that same idea at the end of the night. Uh, but for right now, if you would turn back to the book of Psalms, all the way back to Psalms chapter 19. Psalms 19. And for sake of time, I'm going to go ahead and start reading in verse number 7. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise is simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. If there is one thing, and I'm going to get back to this here in just one second, but if there is one character trait or one attribute that I would say that a Christian needs more than anything else, it would be this character trait that I will speak about tonight. If there is anything that a Christian should long for or desire from God, it is going to be what is mentioned here in verse number 9, the first one there, the fear of the Lord. Now, growing up as a pastor's son, uh, I heard many, many preaching services on the fear of the Lord, uh, but maybe it was just that I was young and I didn't understand, uh, but I just never really got, never really understood what was the fear of the Lord. Uh, and so I hope that I'll be able to help you out tonight is to, to, to show you, if you don't already know, or that maybe... Uh, you're not, under, not completely sure of what the fear of the Lord is uh, that will show you from the scriptures. Uh, and, and anything that I have is going to be straight from the scriptures and straight from the Bible. So if you're taking notes, uh, here the first one, for instance, is going to be uh, the fear of the Lord is clean. Uh, so if you're taking notes, whenever we go to a new passage, you'll be able to see what it is. And I'm not, I'm not going to reword it or anything. I'm just going to take scripture as it is uh, and, and use that as the points uh, as we go through. 
Um, so the fear of the Lord is clean. And if we read from verse number 7 uh, to verse number 9, we find many different uh, things that are characterized with of the Lord. Uh, a word followed by the phrase of the Lord. And if you've ever studied your Bible, uh, and I hope many of you have, the, the term for scientifically studying the Bible uh, or the order of, of studying the Bible is called hermeneutics. And uh, before you study the Bible, you should sit down and figure out what are your tools or what are your you're going to follow as you study the Bible. That way you come out with the correct interpretation of Scripture and, and don't twist it with biases. Uh, and so one of the, con one of the uh, tools that I like to use with uh, studying the Bible is context and making sure that uh, the verse isn't taken out of context and just used for a couple words that it has uh, and trying to twist it to mean something that it doesn't really mean. Uh, so if we follow context here, I believe that the fear of the Lord, uh, all of these things come from one source, which is of the Lord. And that term of is a, uh, if you speak Spanish, that word de is kind of like from. It, it, um, it's of the Lord. So this fear of the Lord, it comes from God. So first we'll say here that it is clean. Uh, clean here means morally pure. And so if it's, if it's from the Lord, it is something that we are to have, but it's not something that we can create on our own. It's not something that we can uh, 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 manufacture uh, within ourselves. We have to have a relationship with God and a daily relationship with him uh, to have this fear of the Lord. And in verse number 11, it shows us, it says, Moreover by them, which is the things in verses 7 through 9, um, is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. So keeping of them, that word keeping would also uh, mean abiding in or, or uh, being like a law-abiding citizen. You keep the law, you don't break the law. Uh, so here, these, the, the, three, or the several things listed in verses 7 through 9 are rules, guidelines, or standards, if you will, uh, that God has given to us or God uh, shows us that we ought to have from God in our lives and that we are to keep them. So number one, it is to be morally pure. And as we go through the evening, uh, each of these is going to be a, a little bit of a test uh, for you, if you will, uh, to, if you're wondering, do I have the fear of the Lord? Measure yourself, as the Bible says, measure yourself as a looking glass to the Bible. It, it, so if, if the fear of the Lord is pure or morally pure, if it's clean, ask yourself, am I, am I morally clean? Am I where I'm supposed to be? Am I breaking the law of God, not of man? Of course, we, we are to follow the law of man first, uh, but obviously the law of God ultimately. So ask yourself throughout the evening, which every point, uh, do I have that attribute of the fear of the Lord? So for sake of time, we're going to go ahead and press on here to number two. Uh, if you would turn to Psalms 111, Psalm 111. So number one, we saw that the fear of the Lord, it is clean. Turning over to Psalm 111, we're going to read in verse number 10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, uh, the next point we're going to get to uh, is going to kind of, uh, they're going to go kind of together. So we'll, I'll breeze through this one a little bit, and then I'll get to the next one, and we'll kind of talk about both, about both of them together. Uh, so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom would be taking what you know. If I could give a definition to it, it would be taking what you know and applying it to a circumstance to determine the choices that you have. It'd be knowing between right and wrong, if you will, knowing between good and bad. Uh, and if you have the fear of the Lord, you will have this ability, uh, and I'm not, a, not a superpower or a super ability, but you'll have the ability uh, to determine between right and wrong. And in some instances, 
Uh, you'll find yourself in this place where you have to make a choice, but neither one of them is wrong. They're both good decisions, but there's one that God has for you. We know that we've ha- we have God's, uh, God's will, God's good will, and then God's perfect will. So if you want to follow God's perfect will, there are going to be some times where you're going to be presented with God's good will and God's perfect will, if you, if you will. So having the fear of the Lord is very key to having, making good decisions in your day-to-day life and being able to recognize, this, recognize the choices that you have and also then being able to recognize what choice should I make, which is the perfect will. Uh, so moving on to, verse, uh, to number four, we will go ahead and turn over to Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, Proverbs chapter 1, and verse number 7. Verses, number, uh, verses 1 through 6 of Proverbs kind of give us a little bit about uh, what Proverbs is and why we need the book, and I love those verses. Uh, but verse number 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. While knowledge is very similar to wisdom, it is slightly different in that knowledge is being able to, uh, if you will, more recognize the facts and recognize and know uh, this fact uh, about something and know this fact about something else. And wisdom would be able to take those and discern between the good and the bad, as I said earlier. Now, this is where it gets key, is, 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 where you, if, you, if you're paying attention, that the fear of the Lord is such a reverence, and I'm sure you've heard this before and probably much more well-explained than I, uh, but it is such a fear of the Lord, such a uh, reverence of the Lord, that you're so focused on Him that absolutely everything else fades away. Almost like the best way I know to describe it is tunnel vision. You know, uh, say when an accident happens and a car crashes and maybe your loved one is in the car, and everything else, nothing else that you were thinking about, the problems you have is no longer important. You are focused on the one thing in front of you. And perhaps it's a bad thing, perhaps it's a good thing, depending on, on, on the tunnel vision. But in this instance, we, are, we ought to be so focused on God and so dedicated to pursuing the one thing that God has set before us, which is to be like Him, to be Christ-like, that if we do those, we will be able to then see the differences between the good and the bad and realize what we ought to do. And honestly, between good and bad, that should be a very easy situation to, to be able to choose. Uh, of course, we're all tempted. I'm not saying that uh, you're not going to never do bad. God will obviously uh, allow different temptations in your life, and, and we're human. We will fall. Um, but with having the, the desire to focus on God and to do absolutely everything. I heard a preacher once who said, uh, he, he was beginning to, to preach, and he said, if I interpret this passage correctly, or if I, if I do not interpret this, this passage correctly, the Bible says that I am worthy of a double judgment, and that is true for me as well. The Bible says for, pe- for preachers and teachers of the gospel, or preachers of, of his word, if we don't teach it correctly, we are worthy of a, a double judgment. So I have need for fear and trembling that I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing and doing it accurately tonight. But if I am, he said, if I am church, uh, teaching this correctly, then we are all the ones who are in need of fear and trembling. Because if I am teaching this correctly, nothing else matters but conforming our lives to the truth that I'm about to, that, I'm about, that, that he was about to, to preach on. Nothing else matters but conforming their, your life to the truth of the gospel. And that is really what the, the Christian life is all about. And I, I wanted to preach this message because I really believe that this is, I, I think it's a great starting point for a missions conference, that it's really getting yourself right. 
getting your mindset and your focus on the things that God wants you to focus on and getting your mind thinking on the thing that God wants you to think about more than anything else. In one of the, in another scripture, excuse me, I can't think of the, uh, the reference right now, but it says that we, we should love God so much, uh, and, I, and I'm paraphrasing, but it says that we should love God so much that, we should, that it's, it, we're hating our family. Now, God, of course, does not want us to, to hate our family. The Bible obviously says, husband, love your wives. But it should be that we are so much in love with God that we love him so much more than our wives, our husbands, or our children, that it's as if we hate them. Because the, the measurement compared between our love for God and our love for our, our family is so vastly different. And that is really what I believe the fear of the Lord is, is that you're seeking him. You have a passion, my favorite word, passion. Strong and barely controllable, barely containable emotion. That you are so passionate about doing the one thing that God has for you. And while that one thing may contain many different things, that that one thing is seeking after God. And that is really what the fear of the Lord is. So we find that, number one, that the, that the fear of the Lord is, is pure or is clean. Find, number two, uh, that it is, um, oh no, I forgot my, uh, the beginning of wisdom. And then number three, that it is the beginning of knowledge. Uh, and so knowledge, of course, being be able to recognize the choices and wisdom being able to then discern between them and choose between right and wrong and between right and more right. And going back to that right and more right, uh, I believe one of the choices, for instance, of being able to choose or being able to the discernment of choosing between right and what's more right or God's perfect will uh, would be, uh, for lack of a better illustration, uh, being a missionary. I believe that the action of God's will is much, much more important than the destination of God's will. Uh, And bear with me for a second as I say that. I'm not saying that God does not have a specific place for each and every one of us to be. I believe that, that he does, and that is the perfect will. But if I was, as a missionary, I am much more concerned about doing what God has me to do, of preaching the gospel and telling others how to be saved and how to go to heaven and how to live the Christian life. I'm much more concerned about doing that than where I'd be doing that. I'd much rather be in the wrong place doing the right thing than in the right place doing the wrong thing. And I believe that that is what I would say. As a missionary, I believe that God has called me with all of my heart. I believe he's called me to go to Iceland. I don't, I don't question that at all. But if I were to choose to go to, say, France, would that be a, a wrong thing? And of course, we would say no. It is not wrong for me to be a missionary to Iceland. It's just not where God called me. It would be as it, almost, almost as if a Jonah. And uh, he went to the, to the wrong place. And God God didn't use it as much as he wanted. He needed him in Nineveh. And we find that, uh, that we're able to discern between what's right and what's more right. Moving on, for the sake of time, we're almost done. We'll go to uh, Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8, verse number 13. And I'll, I'll conclude with this point. That's a, it's, it's probably the one that I really wanted to get to. Uh, verse number 13, Proverbs, Proverbs 8, chapter, th- uh, chapter 8, uh, verse 13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. So you can write that in your notes. Pride, arrogance, pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. We find a couple people in the book of Proverbs who are personified or character traits that are given an identity or are human-like aspects. Uh, and one of those uh, people we find as wisdom. 
another we find as the fool. And here wisdom is speaking, and it's interesting to note, uh, real quick, it's interesting to note that there, there's almost no difference between the, the wise and the fool. In, in, uh, in Proverbs chapter 1, with our, with, um, in verse number 7, we were just at, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And it's interesting that you either love it or you hate it. You're either wise or you're the fool. And so you can use that also in your life to determine, am I, am I wise? Am I doing what's right? Do I, if someone were to come up to me and correct me and, 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 and show me how I can be doing it right, do I hate that? Do I despise the instruction that God's giving to me? Or do I, or do I love it? Do I cherish the wisdom? Do I have wisdom? So number, uh, number, number four here, we get to uh, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And wisdom here is the one who's speaking, and the, the, it, it gives a list after saying that it hates evil. It gives a, almost a definition of evil, or a couple of things that we can see that are evil. And it's interesting to me to note that the very first one is pride. The very first aspect that wisdom says is evil and that we have to hate is pride. A.R. Fawcett said, He who reverently fears God does not approve, excuse, or admit evil, but instinctively and earnestly loathes it in every form and even shrinks from the appearance of it. Pride is the number one killer of faith. If the devil had his way, he would have every church full. He'd have every church full of people, packed out. Everyone would go to church, but not a one would do anything with it. They would all look good. They would all do good, but nothing, no one would ever, ever, ever use the Bible, or use Christianity to affect them. They'd never do anything for God because they would be without faith. Because he could get them so easily, if we can get so easily distracted on us. And I believe America is probably the most difficult place to live for what I call the curse of blessings. The curse of blessings is, is being where you have, you have it so good, you have it so nice and easy that you can go to Publix and buy a meal without even batting an eye. You can do all these different things and, and have all these different forms of activities that you get, you don't, you're not dependent on God anymore. And I believe that the Bible says that without faith it is impossible to please him. Impossible. So if, if the devil could get us to just, you can come to church, you can, you can do that, you know, yeah, you can have your building activities, you can have your missions conferences, but if you can just do that without faith, just give the little bit extra that, you know, that bonus you got in the check from, from your work this time, give that as your offering or your faith promise, and, and just use that. You don't, have to, you don't have to rely on God. I'll take care of you. You, can, you don't have to give anything extra. And that is what the devil would love for us to think. He would love for us to not be dependent on God. So I believe that it is absolutely crucial, especially here in America, where we are able to have it easy, that we put ourselves on purpose in places where we have to be dependent on God. And it may not be financially. It may be that you are in a place where you have to depend on God for peace through a situation, where you have to depend on God for grace, for love for your enemy. I don't know the situation that you're going through. And obviously finances would come up with the missions conferences coming up. God wants you to give to Faith Promise. He wants you to give 
to missions so that he can see the gospel given throughout the world. But I challenge you, as you go into missions conference, go in with the aspect of, the, the mindset of, can I give more? Can God use me more? And I'll, I'll close with this, with this, uh, with this story, and we'll, we'll pray. But in college, uh, and, and, and this is not to toot my horn, but only to, to lift God up, honestly, and I mean that. I was able to, as a, as a senior in college, I had, a, I had a, a pretty well-paying job, and I had a lot, obviously, paying for college, uh, working through college. I, uh, I promised, through Faith Promise, a, a larger amount than I had ever promised before, and I really decided to take God at his word and say that if I, if I will give, he will give back, and it's just like that. And I was really, really worried, honestly. I was scared at the beginning to see, am I going to be able to do this? You know, I'll do my best to make sure that this payment is made. I, made it, I said I'd make it every week. And I, stuck for, I, I stayed out and I, I made my payment every single week. And I was blown away at what God did. Not only did he use it in the missions and was able to allow the monies that I had set aside for missions to be used to do great things on the mission field, but he blessed me like I've never been blessed before. I got I received in love offerings and gifts and unexpected donations probably three times what I'd promised to give to God from unexpected places that I never once asked or never even assumed that would come my way. Had no idea. But God knew, and God said, if you obey me, if you will follow God, do everything he says, he will take care of you. If you are dependent on God and you put yourself in a place where you have to have that relationship, you have to pray and beg God, God, I need you now. Put yourself in that situation. And he will, he will bless you far beyond you would ever imagine. He will, he promised that he will. But it all is key on dying to self. You cannot focus on yourself. A grain of seed that falls and does not die beareth no fruit. But if it die, it beareth much fruit. Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the wonderful opportunity that you've given to me to open your word tonight and speak. God, I ask you, please, just use this, Lord, in my life. Lord, you challenged me, Lord, with, with faith promise and with giving and offerings in general. God, you've challenged me to do more than I have before. God, and I ask you would please have allowed this to be you speaking. God, I, I do not want to be the mouth that's heard. God, you know that. But I ask you please just use this in the hearts and the lives of the people here, God, that you would do something great through Bible Baptist Church, through their offerings and through their tithes and, and, and promise giving. God, I ask you please just bless this church enormously, more than they could ever understand how. Lord, we know it'll be from you, and we'll give you the honor and glory. Lord, we sure do love you. We ask all these things in your holy and precious name, Jesus.